Chapter 7. The Echoing Hymn of My Fellow Passerin, They Took to It. Or, A Single Story of Multiple Happy Endings. And some birds are here too. The arrow whistled through the air, steady and sure, just like Techno taught him. Techno rolled into the snow at the last moment, shaking himself out of his frozen shock before the arrow could punch through his heart. It thudded into the ground somewhere behind him, but Wilbur was already knocking another, aiming before Techno could get to his feet. Wilbur! Techno called out, reaching for him, but there was nothing behind Wilbur's brown eyes. No clarity or kindness. Wilbur shot again, and this time, it found its mark in Techno's shoulder, and it hurt. It hurt! Biting back a scream, Techno pulled the arrow free and flipped onto his feet, his shoulder a bloody mess. He stared across the way at his student, his king, his brother, who was climbing over the window, his expression remaining blank and painless even as the broken glass cut his palms open. Techno could hear the green god laughing somewhere behind him, but he kept his eyes on Wilbur as he slung his bow over his shoulder and unsheathed his rapier instead, a mindless marionette. All the strings lead back to me, Dream had said. That was how he'd led the city folk outside to their deaths and everything else untouched. With a bitter taste in his mouth, Techno wondered how many of the Green Army, too, had been under the Green God's influence, acting on his orders without any choice. His mind raced as he scoured his memories for any blank faces on the battlefield that day at the Blue Valley. Any movements that were too unnatural, too controlled. How many innocents had been thrown in his path, and how many had he killed without even knowing it? And now Wilbur was stalking towards him, graceful in his hunt. Another casualty. Another brother whose blood would be on Technoblade's hands. He'd killed his family once before, the Green God had said. And now he was fated to kill another. Fate. Such a small word for such a big thing. There was only one way for this to end. With trembling hands, Techno raised his trident. And was ready. Filza turned at the sound of the green god's laughter. He still had the bastard trapped under the tip of his sword, but they both knew who had truly won. Dream grinned triumphantly up at him, flashing bloody palms in some sort of placating gesture, as if anything can save him from Filza's wrath now. What the fuck did you do to him? Filza demanded, digging the heel of his boot into the green god's ribs. What have you done to my son? He's sleepwalking, the green god said. Or dreaming, or acting. Choose whichever explanation hurts least for you or whichever will excuse him from the mistakes he's about to commit. You've done this before, Filza pressed harder. He would crush him like a twig beneath his foot. He would kick him open like the goddamn insect he was. You've, you've controlled him before. A few times here and there, Dream shrugged nonchalantly, but I avoid it as much as I can. It's not very fun inside your son's head, you know. There's a lot of heaviness here, he considered Filza with a small smile. Most of it concerns you, though I suppose you already know that. I could kill you, Filza drawled, a strange calm setting into him. All his anger and grief had fled to a universe far from where he was, leaving nothing in their wake. Filza was the void between the stars and the pitch black of the Earth's final night. He was the silence after curtain call and the stillness of a home abandoned. 
The day I lost my sons would be the day I destroyed the world, he'd promised Techno, and he would start with the god that had taken them from him. I could push this sword straight through you and be done with you, he continued, gripping his ancient pommel. And with my final breath, I'll take what's left of your son's heart and tear it to shreds, the green god replied calmly. Would you risk that? Would you risk his sanity for your own? You've done it before. Do it again. He leaned forward until the tip of Philz's blade tore a hole through his tunic. One swift push and it would tear through skin and bone, too. Go ahead. Let him be the sacrificial lamb for your own peace of mind. Kill me. And kill him. Philza stared down the blade at the smiling god. The sword had served him for eons, and it had only failed him once, when it had left the war god enough life in him to carry out one last vengeance. It would not make the same mistake again. In the distance, he heard Techno call Wilbur's name, but there was no reply. You're hesitating, Philza, said the green god. No, said Philza, raising his sword above his head. I am not. Wilbur's rapier glinted in the scarlet sunlight as it cut through the air between them, aiming straight for Techno's heart. Techno spun backwards, the rapier grazing his sleeve and missing skin entirely, but the assault continued, fierce and relentless, the calculated movements a product of a decade under Techno's tutelage. There should be pride, Techno knew. He should have been proud to see how far Wilbur had grown, from a spoiled little prince with shaky legs and soft hands to a hardened fighter. But even from the beginning, he had always taught Wilbur to defend, to protect. Because that was Wilbur's nature. That was who he was. Not this. Even in Techno's worst nightmares, never this. Techno parried another sharp blow, stumbling backwards over the snowy ground. There was only the sound of steel striking steel and his boots in retreat. Wilbur pushed against Techno's trident, battling for the upper hand, and in that moment they were close enough for Techno to meet Wilbur's dim eyes. A flicker of recognition, or a spark of surprise. Techno would take anything. Wilbur, please. Wilbur, you have to shake him off. I know you can do it, alright? I taught you to ignore the voices, and this isn't any different. Ignore his directions, and follow mine. For a moment, Techno thought he might have seen something shift behind Wilbur's expression, like lightning behind a dark curtain. But then it was gone, or maybe it had never been there at all. As quick as a goodbye, Wilbur jumped back and then struck out, kicking at Techno. Techno skidded backward, almost falling over into the frozen ground. He righted himself just in time to block another savage blow that reverberated down into his bones. But even as he was recovering from the shock of it, Wilbur's hand flashed as he reached into his quiver and produced an arrow, clutching it in his fist and bringing it down into Techno's uninjured shoulder. Techno bit back a scream as it shredded through cloth and skin. He spun away from Wilbur, breathing heavily. He scarcely had time to pull the arrow out before Wilbur was on him again, raining blow after blow that Techno could only half-heartedly parry. Wilbur was backing him up against the church. Soon, there would be nowhere left to run. In a desperate attempt to put space between them, Techno swung his trident in an arc. He knew Wilbur would duck harmlessly under it, hopefully giving Techno time to think of better strategies than praying for a miracle. But Wilbur was fast. Too fast. He ducked and then sprung up in the same breath. He swung with a careless lethality, this time aiming for Techno's face. It slashed the air a mere inch from his cheek before it drew back once more, and then shot point first towards his eye. Techno's breath caught in his throat. Everything was moving too fast and too slow. He could see the snow melting against Wilbur's cheeks, glistening like tears. He could see the blade heading towards him. He could see himself standing in a pavilion of white marble. Ivy and Wisteria parting as a young boy with a stubborn jaw and a more stubborn heart stepped in. 
he could see this very maneuver acted out by a wooden sword guided by his own hand. When in doubt, your highness, he heard himself saying, go for the eyes. All at once, Technoblade wasn't facing his brother. It was just another opponent, another threat he had to survive. And so, by instinct, his trident rose, catching the rapier's blade in its prongs and twisting it out of Wilbur's grip. It flew into the air, spinning like a broken compass before it fell harmlessly into the snow a few paces away. Wilbur turned to look at it, his hands empty but already calculating what it would take to be armed once more. He tried reaching for his bow, but Techno wouldn't give him the chance. With the butt of his trident, a gift once, but now just a weapon, Techno struck at Wilbur's chest, sending him crashing to the ground. And then his trident was at Wilbur's throat, tipping his chin up towards his reckoning. Are you coming back to me yet? Techno demanded, the words scratching his throat as he said them. And for the first time, Wilbur replied, Techno, he breathed, his eyes softened with understanding, and then panic as the world slowly righted itself. Techno, gods, why am I on the ground? Relief burned through Techno as he met Wilbur's clear eyes. Relief and shame. Shame that it had taken just a few moments of fear to return him to the bloody battlefield that he thought he had abandoned long ago. Shame that he had, even for a second, forgotten Wilbur's face. Shame that after all his talk of change and redemption, there were still some days where violence was the only place he could run to. He was tired of it, and yet, it was all he had. If a father's arms never forgot the shape of a child, then Techno's hands might always remember the shape of his curled fists. The thought terrified him almost as much as the look on Wilbur's face did. Did you hit me? Wilbur asked quietly, looking up at Techno through wet lashes. I don't remember. Techno, why did you hit me? It wasn't you, Techno wanted to shout. And it wasn't me. But his trident was still a breath away from cutting into Wilbur's skin. I'm sorry, Techno rasped, feeling as if he had just ran the entire circumference of this goddamn world. Is it you? Is it you now? Wilbur blinked drowsily, as if coming out from a long sleep. Of course it's me, Techno. Who else could it be? Techno felt the fight drain from him in an instant. He drew his trident back and offered his free hand to Wilbur, the silver scars running through his palms like the invisible webs that kept him forever bound to his brotherhood. Come on, Techno said softly. We have a god to kill. Wilbur's eyes hardened with resolve, even as he smiled at Techno. For Tommy. For Tommy, Techno repeated as Wilbur took his hand. Everything that came before already forgotten. It was an interlude, nothing more. And they were on the same side again. This was right. This was their fate. No matter what else was dictated. Wilbur was on his feet, swaying slightly. He eyed Techno oddly, snowflakes caught in the tangles of his dark hair. He could have been one of his mother's paintings, standing like that in the middle of this frozen city, immortalized in a way Techno could never be. And then, with furrowed brows, he pulled Techno into a warm embrace. Techno stiffened in surprise, but soon sunk into the comforting circle of Wilbur's arms, his wounded shoulders screaming with the effort of returning's gentle hold. Techno, Wilbur whispered into Techno's sunset hair, breathing in the lingering scent of flowers long rotted. Will? Techno whispered back. Once pinned, Wilbur said shakily, an ending cannot be restored, and he plunged a dagger straight into Techno's back. Not a dagger, the dagger, the dagger that had stopped a young prince's heart, the dagger that had once lived in a blood god's bandolier, the dagger that had been part of a collection gifted by an angel of death. It had passed between them all, their fingers all leaving invisible marks on its carved handle, and now it was in Wilbur's hand. He heard a soft, distant exhale of surprise as it carved through the man he once called brother.
the dagger's final scabbard. The cycle was complete. The curtains were drawing closed. All Wilbur could do was scream at an empty stage. Techno's life had not been the easiest thing in the world. He had been in more battles than he could count, and more wars than anyone deserved. His body bore the evidence of a tiresome existence. He could still feel Wilbur's worried eyes tracing the cross-stitched pattern of scars on his back, though even more run under the cover of his clothes. He'd been burned, beaten, and shot, and felt every type of blade under the sun pierce his godly skin. But all those hurts combined could still not compare to the pain that went through him as he felt Wilbur's embrace slacken, and Techno fall to the ground, ruby-red blood staining the soft white snow beneath him. His blood. Blood that Wilbur had drawn. His breath quickened as the agony tore through him. Gods were not built to suffer this anguish. But even as he laid there, feeling both cold and on fire at once, he could hear the green god's voice in his head. Not the chorus of the voices, but a memory that felt more ancient than their eternal cycle. Mortal hearts can only take so much hurt. Techno groaned, shutting his eyes to a sudden piercing pain. Immortal hearts aren't much different, especially if they've been foolishly given to the wrong people. Was this it then? Was this heartbreak? A shadow eclipsed all sunlight. Techno forced himself to open his eyes and found Wilbur standing over him with a knife in his hands, still dripping with Techno's blood and still rusted with Tommy's. Wilbur had kept it. The symbol of Techno's greatest mistake, the thing that had killed one brother and nearly shattered the other, Wilbur had kept it. And all at once, Techno knew. Wilbur had not forgiven him. And if Wilbur could not forgive him, who could? Who would? He could search the entire universe and the answer would still be the same. No one. A sob of pain, violent and sudden and unfamiliar, escaped Techno's trembling mouth. No one at all. Wilbur tilted his head to the side as he considered Techno lying in the snow. He went to Techno's side and kneeled there, as if he might provide comfort, though the light had once again fled from behind his eyes. But whether it was him or the green god calling the tune now, it didn't matter. Nothing mattered anymore beyond the pain. Techno felt his shoulders shake, and a beat later realized he must be laughing. A bitter, angry sound. The last wail of a bird struck from the sky. He still somehow had his trident in his hand, but he let go now. He let everything go once he saw Wilbur raise his arm high, a guillotine about to drop on the wickedest criminal the world had ever seen. It's alright, Techno whispered to the brother he knew was still somehow listening, somewhere. I won't hurt you again. It's over. His heart shuddered out its final pulses. I'm never going to hurt anyone again. Techno thought Wilbur's hands must have trembled a bit, but it could have been his own vision failing, or a trick of the dying light. It's alright, Techno repeated softly, believing it with everything he had left in him. It's not your fault. The voices, Dream's voice, were strangely silent, and Techno felt its absence with bitter relief. Here at last, the eternal quiet. Look me in the eyes. Let him look me in the eyes, Techno demanded. At least give me that. The soft brown shade of Wilbur's eyes, so bright in the fading sunlight, was the last thing the God of Blood saw before the dagger dropped. Filz's blade dug into and through the green god's shoulder. Emerald eyes widened with surprise as Filza kept going until the sword pierced through the rubble and then the earth beneath, pinning the god to the ground. It was not the unbreakable fetters the bastard deserved, but it would have to do as a restraint. Red blood, even he bleeds red, Filza thought, bloomed through the dirty white cloth of Dream's tunic and ran down in rivulets into the stones below. 
Filza loosened his grip on the hilt of his sword, and then let go completely. That should keep you still for a while, said Filza, stepping back from his makeshift prisoner. The green god eyed the blade with annoyance, trying to rise and then flinching with pain, before turning his glare to the man that had bound him, however temporarily, to the earth. I could still ruin him from here, Drew mused darkly. It would only take one flick of my wrist. Wilbur isn't that weak, Filza replied coldly, before turning his back on his enemy. He isn't weak at all. His wings spread wide. He could see in the distance two figures in the snow, one lying, one kneeling. Filza would not be too late again. Choosing to run away then, are we? The green god shouted after him. I'm choosing my son, Filza answered, and was gone. It took exactly four seconds for the Angel of Death to close the gap. One. The blood god murmured his last assurance to a king with vengeance poised over his heart. Two. As infinitesimal as the breath of the smallest creature ever born from stardust, the dagger began to shake in the ruined king's hand. A frown began to tug at the corner of the green god's lips, an unfamiliar shape. For once, he realized, he might actually have to put in some effort. 3. Despite it all, despite everything, despite the angel of death's distant shout, despite the cracks in the wall, the dagger still plunged. 4. But Filza was there. His hand closed around his son's wrist, ending the weapon's violent arc a hair's breadth away from Techno's still chest. The father and his heir kneeled on opposite sides of the blood god, the dagger trembling between them as they fought for dominance, Wilbur to push and wound, Filza to seize and protect. Wilbur raised his severe glare at the disruption. You were not meant to be here, he growled, the words not his own. But I am, Filza said quietly, tightening his hold on Wilbur. Drop the dagger, Will. Wilbur's eyebrows furrowed as he pushed harder against Filza. You should hate him, Wilbur drawled. He brought Tommy to that battlefield. The man that killed Tommy meant to kill him. You should hate him, he repeated more strongly, a hint of emotion finally creeping into his voice. Was it anger? Was it grief? Was there a difference? Between them, Techno took a rattling breath, but did not speak. Do you? Filza asked gently. Do you really hate him, Wilbur? Yes, Wilbur said, and then quieter, no. He closed his eyes suddenly, as if in pain. What I mean, no, he killed my brother. But I killed my brother too. We all killed him, the three of us. All of us are at fault. When he opened his eyes again, they shone with tears. But if I kill you too, then who will be left to forgive me? Well, I mean, no what way. am I without you? Yourself? Yourself? Filza replied, slowly inching the dagger up and away from Techno. And Wilbur let him. You can forgive yourself, Wilbur, because I already forgive you. No matter what you do to me. You don't mean that, Wilbur said gravely. You can't mean that. In response, Filza tenderly raised Wilbur's hand towards his chest until the dagger's point rested over where his beating heart hid. Let me prove it, then. For a moment, Wilbur only looked at him, his hand trembling in Filza's hold. And then he said, He's in my head. His grip tightened around the hilt as warm tears spilled over his pale cheeks. He's everywhere. He began pushing the blade forwards. I'm sorry. I'm so, so sorry. Filza smiled sadly as the dagger's sharp point found skin and drew blood. This isn't your fault. It will never be your fault. Blood bloomed and spilled over, like the roots of a plant breaking past its inadequate vase. But the pain of it was secondary. With his son pushing a dagger into his heart, Filza said, 
I will love you forever. Ulrich's expression crumpled. Father! He gasped and dropped the dagger. Before it could fall into the snow, Techno was rising to his knees, his arms going around Wilbur. He pulled the mortal king into a tight embrace, and Filza, for the first time, saw the wound in his back. Techno had gotten worse injuries, Filza knew, but this was different. It must hurt like hell to even breathe with it, but Techno held onto Wilbur regardless, as if letting go was a fate worse than death. Wilbur, in turn, buried his face into Techno's bloody shoulder, his own arms slack at his sides as he fell apart. He gave a strangled gasp and then was crying in earnest, trembling with the force of his misery. Filza's heart cracked just a bit more at the sound. I'm sorry for hurting you, Wilbur whispered, his words muffled against Techno's hair and interrupted every syllable by sobs that came from deep within him. I'm sorry for everything. Hey, Techno's voice was uncharacteristically soft. Consider it payback for me breaking your nose. I don't want payback. Wilbur sighed as he leaned into Techno's embrace. He looked so small and breakable, a glass figurine of a boy. I just want to go home. I want to bury my little brother. Filza couldn't see Techno's face, but he knew it must look as shattered as Filza felt. I want that too, Techno said. We'll do it together, alright? Okay, Wilbur breathed. You and me. Me and you. Aww, a distant voice cooed. That's sweet. But are you done now? Techno and Wilbur broke apart, bloodstained but still ready to fight on as they turned towards the disrupting sound. Filza felt his pulse jump as he followed their cold glares toward the far building, where a green-eyed god stood on top of the rubble, bleeding from his shoulder but otherwise unscathed. He held Filza's sword in one hand and gave it a casual spin, splattering blood across the snow before him, before stepping forwards, his gait unhurried. There was a shuffle as Techno and Filza placed themselves in front of Wilbur. The green god rolled his eyes as he continued stalking forward. Oh, come on now. There's no need for that. You've already flung me from his head. That little thread is severed completely. He rolled his eyes in exasperation. Would have been fun if you'd killed each other, though. What a tragic ending you would have written. He considered them with a thoughtful tilt of his head. I could still use Techno, though. No, you can't. Techno snapped. I'm done with you and your little voices. Have been for years. You fancy yourself immune to me, then? Dream smirked. There are more ways than one to control someone, you know. The realization was slow, but steady, coming gradually to fill like the tides crawling toward the shore, and then all at once, it struck him. Control me, then, he said suddenly, rising to his feet and meeting the green god's stare. Go on. Dream narrowed his eyes at him, with something blazing to life behind that carefully lax expression. Layers and layers. And Filza was going to tear them all down. The truth was there. It was so close, he could feel the weight of it in his hands. There were stories before, of the green god being afraid of you, Techno had said. Filza had known of those stories. He'd spent decades since asking why. Why him? What did he have? He was going to find out very soon. Phil, what are you doing? Techno hissed from behind him. Just asking a question, Filza replied. You've threatened to pull Techno's strings. You've used Wilbur against us. You've been the voice in their heads for years, mocking us all from afar. But you've never been in mine. Why is that, Dream? He said the name deliberately, lacing each letter with poisonous intention. Why is that? The arrogance slipped off the green god's face, replaced with tempered viciousness. Filza had the distinct impression that he was facing a wild beast kept on a frayed leash. He was treading on dangerous territory. Every instinct screamed to be careful and to draw back. 
Instead, Filza approached without caution. You are afraid of me, he said. You're afraid of what I am and what I have. And that pisses you off, doesn't it? It angers you to know what I am and what you can never be. What you take, I give. What you ruin, I restore. With a deft maneuvering of his boot, Filza flicked the bloody dagger by his feet up toward him. Filza snatched it out of the air without missing a beat. I am your antithesis. The green god began to laugh, but it was a delicate sound. You are nothing, he said scornfully. He stopped walking and pointed Filza's own sword right at him. Allow me to prove it. Techno, Filza settled into a fighting stance. Take Wilbur and run. You know, Filza, Techno said, stumbling to Filza's side with his trident back in his hands. After all these years, I thought you'd finally get it through your thick skull that I don't take orders from you. Before Filza could protest, Wilbur had walked up to his other side, an arrow already knocked into his bow, a fierce clarity in his dark eyes. He gave his father a grim nod. We started this together, said Wilbur. We end this together, too. But your injuries? Eh, Techno shrugged his bleeding shoulders. Flesh wounds at best. I almost killed you, Wilbur said dryly. That doesn't sound right. Must have been a different, much weaker blood god. It would have been a more believable deflection if pain had not flickered across his face as he said it. Now look sharp, your majesties. The enemy approaches. Enemy is such a strong word, the green god mused. We are old friends, after all. Old, old friends. Oh, shut the fuck up, Wilbur said, and let his arrow fly. It missed, obviously. The green god was a wickedly fast bastard, and Wilbur had barely been aiming. He had fired for the sake of firing, just to have his hands do damage to something he hated, instead of something he loved. Dream danced easily out of harm's way, only to find the angel of death flying toward him, slashing out with a bloody dagger. Dream parried with father's own sword and jumped back, and was met by Techno striking out with his trident. The green god ducked and dodged under Techno's barrage, each movement fluid like a candle dancing in the gentle air. In the lull between Techno's attacks, Dream spun on his heel with the sword cleaving the space between the three of them. Father leapt backwards, but Techno dropped to the ground instead, sweeping his leg out in an attempt to trip their opponent. The green god jumped over him, just as Wilbur let another arrow fly, this time with every intention of embedding it straight through the pale column of Dream's throat. But Dream simply grabbed the arrow out of the air, snapping it in half with his thumb and tossing it over his shoulder before he even landed back down on the snow. Techno scrambled to his feet to meet Dream's renewed offensive, but Wilbur could tell even from afar that his movements were sloppy and sluggish. Despite his posturing, the wounds Wilbur had inflicted on him had cut deep, and not a second went by without Wilbur remembering the way the blade had slipped so easily into Techno's back. Whatever he'd said of a god's invincibility, they still bled the same way mortals do. Even now, Wilbur could feel the voices, the green god's little spiders, lurking in the edges of his consciousness, just waiting for him to let his guard down again. They only seemed to strike when Wilbur least expected it, when he was falling asleep, or when he was caught in the tides of his own emotions. It explained how he'd been to places he didn't remember walking to, or witnessed things he shouldn't have, or done things he would never do when he was fully himself. He could still see Tommy's face in his mind's eye, trembling in his cot as Wilbur stood over him with a shard of glass. Wilby, please, don't hurt me, he'd said then, the same way Techno had whispered, It's alright, this is not your fault. Too many times had Wilbur been used against the people he loved the most. Tommy, Techno, his kingdom, his father all to serve the green god's ends. Puppets on a string, all of them were. But if Dream wanted him to dance, then Wilbur was going to give him one hell of a closing act. He was running low on arrows, and the gods were moving too fast for his mortal eyes to catch, 
so he threw both bow and quiver away. He rushed towards where his rapier sat in the snow, its intricate pommel glinting in invitation. The weapon slipped easily into his hand. It was an extension of his fury, and they joined the fray together. Techno had almost forgotten how well he and Filza fought together. They slipped into old familiar rhythms, like the ebb and flow of the ancient ocean. The years flew away, and Techno was back in one of the myriad battlefields they'd decimated when they were younger and more foolish. Filza struck when Techno withdrew, and Techno stepped between Filza and the enemy when he struck back, taking the brute of the attack with the silver shaft of his trident. It rattled him down to his bones, but the jolt was a welcome rush, making Techno grin despite the screaming pain of his fresh wounds. Why was it that Techno felt most alive when he was fighting off death? The green god must have seen the gleam in his eyes, because he stepped away from Techno with a knowing smirk. Enjoying yourself, blood god? The voices taunted. Techno thought of Tommy and Wilbur and his lost, nameless siblings. I will, Techno replied, throwing his trident in a fierce arc across the frozen grounds. To avoid it, the green god stepped to the side, straight into Phil's path. Phil had his dagger brandished, ready to make the killing blow, ready to claim another life. And then Dream leapt upwards, the dagger passing harmlessly under his feet, which kept soaring higher and higher. Oh gods damn it all, Techno groaned. The bastard can fly? He hovered in the sky, suspended by no strings Techno could see. No raven wings like Filza either. He simply floated in the air, almost casually, as if it were a simple stroll through the woods. He caught Techno's eye and smiled. Techno cursed himself for his naivety. The man could restructure the very fabric of the universe. Of course he could fly. Filza's shoulders tensed as he gazed up at the green god in his lackadaisical flight. The sky is my domain, Dream, Filza drawled. A shiver went down Techno's spine. The angel of death's words were as cold as the thunder around them. You dare trespass? The green god crossed his arms behind his head and adopted a thoughtful expression. Nothing in this realm is yours to keep, Filza. Not the sky, not the earth you stand on, not your family. He scoffed derisively. I thought I already made that abundantly clear. Filza's wings spread, about to take flight. Techno! Techno turned toward the voice. He would always turn toward that voice. Wilbur was running up toward him, a sword gripped tightly in his hand. He made a single motion with the other, and Techno understood at once. He crouched and cupped his hands over his knee. He gritted his teeth and braced for impact as Wilbur neared, his brows drawn together in focus. And then Wilbur was stepping into the cradle of Techno's hands, a heavy yet steady weight. In the space of a heartbeat, Techno straightened, pouring all of his remaining strength into his arms. And he threw. Before Filza could even lift a foot off the ground, Wilbur was soaring over him, as fast and as lethal as one of his own arrows. He raised his rapier high over his head, its sharp point cleaving through the air. Techno saw the green god's eyes widen in surprise, right before Wilbur collided with him and sent them both crashing to the ground in a blur of blades and a tangle of flailing limbs. Techno rushed towards where they fell, wrenching his trident out of the ground as he passed it. By the time he skidded to a halt before the green god, Wilbur already had him pinned to the ground with the tip of his rapier at Dream's throat. Wilbur pried the hilt of Filza's sword out of the god's grip, and offered it back to its owner without taking his dark eyes off the enemy, just like Techno taught him. You drop this, Wilbur said, chest heaving but voice steady. A long scratch running down the length of his cheek was the only evidence of his fall. Filza took his sword back with a confused glance at Techno. When did Will become an acrobat? He asked incredulously. Wilbur wiped the blood from his cheek with the back of his free hand and replied, my father's avian god genetics passed over me, so I had to compensate. When you can't fly, you learn how to jump as high as you can. Poetic, Techno drawled, but a lie. I taught him that maneuver to run from diplomats. 
I never used it until now, though, Wilbur grumbled defensively, and then quieter. Snitch. Techno gave him a quiet smile only a handful of people ever witnessed. Like a miracle, Tommy had once said of it. Like a goddamn fucking miracle, that smile. How many times? The green god asked Riley, cutting the fragile levity into shreds. Must you pin me down before you realize it's all futile? Wilbur glared. As many times as it takes. Go on then, Dream sighed, tilting his head back to bare his throat to them all. Kill me, or have a crisis of morals about killing me. Your choice, really. We've been here before. You've come this close before, but not one step further. Why? Fulza asked. What stopped us? The god's emerald eyes glinted like chunks of broken ice. Something stirred in Techno's gut, a sudden reaction to an ancient, nameless fear. Techno's hand settled on Wilbur's shoulder. Something was wrong, or something was going to be wrong, very soon, and he needed to get Wilbur out of here, just like Filza had intended. He could see Filza in his periphery, holding tightly to his sword. He could tell he felt it too. The war was over. The winner was decided, had been decided long ago. Like I said, the green god smiled at Phil, and only Phil. It would only take one flick of my wrist. He raised a hand, a single pale hand dusted with melting snow and half-dried blood. And in the end, that really was all it took. They froze as it finally settled over them, a change in the air, a new page turning, a hushed shuffle as the new audience settled into their seats for another show, another loop, another story, another life. Wilbur turned to Techno with wide, wide eyes. The rapier fell from his grip as he opened his mouth in a silent shout. Filza, Techno thought. Filza, help! But Filza was made of stone, and the world ended in silence. And they lived happily ever after. That's it. Wilbur glanced up from his instrument with furrowed brows. What do you mean? He asked as he lowered the violin from his chin and gazed at the woman sitting across from him, her heavy skirt spilling around her in a cerulean tide. She did not meet his confused stare. Her attention was fixed entirely on the easel in front of her, turned slightly away from him so all he could see were random splotches of color. Paint stained her hands and hair and skin, deep indigos and soft blues, and the dark browns of the eyes that were his inheritance from her. Mother considered her canvas in silence for a few seconds before making a gentle stroke with her brush. You stopped playing all of a sudden, she murmured absently. I thought the song was finished. It's not, Wilbur said, just like your painting isn't either. She shot him a rueful smile. When did you get so cheeky? When you weren't looking, I suppose, he pointed his violin's bow accusingly at her. And I only stopped because you interrupted me. I did not interrupt you. I would never. She tucked a stray hair behind her ear, leaving a golden streak of paint across her cheek in the process, before turning back to her painting. You remember the rules for the art tower, don't you, my boy? Wilbur rolled his eyes affectionately at her. The art tower had been his mother's idea, and her first mistake had been allowing a ten-year-old Wilbur to name it. It was the east tower of the castle, and it was meant to be a place just for the two of them. A place where Wilbur could play as loud and as badly as he wanted, and where mother could accidentally spill jars of paint without ruining some random priceless artifact. A place where stringed instruments hung on the walls instead of morning stars and swords, and worn easels stood in place of suits of armor. It was a tower, and it was full of art. Thus, following young Wilbur's stream of consciousness, the art tower. Older Wilbur would have chosen something a bit more tasteful. He would have named it after the massive arched windows that let in the soft morning light, or the daffodils that grew at the sills. 
of the white lace curtains dancing in the breeze like a veil of a bride made of air. But it would be Art Tower, now and forever. Tommy would never let him live it down. I'm not hearing any music, Mother hummed. Wilbur sighed lovingly as he put the violin back under his chin. The things I do for you, Mother. Her eyes crinkled at the corners as she gave him a dazzling smile. If you finish your song, she said, I'll let you peek at the canvas. That's bribery. You are bribing your son, your unsweet boy. She tossed her head back in a laugh, brown and gray ringlets falling over her shoulders. Dance for me, my puppet, she chortled. She wagged the fingers that weren't holding the paintbrush in some vague approximation of puppetry. Dance. Wilbur shook his head and raised his eyes to the heavens. All right, he said. From the top, then. He put bow to string and began to play again. A shadow fell over Techno as a giggle interrupted the sounds of the forest, chasing the birds back to their nests. Without opening his eyes, Techno said, I know it's you. Another giggle, quieter this time, as if she were trying to swallow back her childish glee. Papa wants you home, she said cheerfully. You're in big trouble. Sure, Techno drawled sarcastically, and you aren't a little brat. Hey, that's rude. Papa said you weren't allowed to be rude to me anymore. Techno felt something against his ribs that might have been a kick or a gentle breeze. He smiled to himself as he finally cracked one eye open to look at his little sister. She was pouting, arms crossed and brows furrowed, as if she could ever be terrifying to him. She intimidated him as much as the bumblebee drifting drowsily overhead, so close Techno could reach out and trap it between his cupped hands. But instead, he stayed where he was, arms folded under his head, the grass beneath him as soft as a bed of hay. Papa really does want you home, though, she reiterated, even as she dropped onto the ground beside him and laid her little head against his chest, her twin braids like pink snakes coiling around his torso. Techno leveled his breathing so she could stay laying there peacefully, as if she were a wild animal that could be spooked away with one wrong move. But though she did have some of the wilderness in her, there was no doubt in his mind that she was fearless. Six years old and Techno already knew that someday she would rule the world, and he would be the proudest older brother on the face of the earth. Techno? She asked pensively, after a moment of comfortable silence. There was seldom a different kind of silence between the two of them. In a family of loud, loving parents, and louder, more annoying siblings, he and his youngest sister had managed to carve out a space for themselves, where they did not need to shout to be heard. She was gazing up at the foliage above them, her face dotted with the sunlight that punctured stubbornly through the leaves, unwilling to let their route to the earth be interrupted by anything less than a fellow star child. Do you ever feel like... She began haltingly. Like your spirit is too big for your own body. Nah, Techno replied after a serious consideration. My spirit likes where it is just fine. She rolled over to fix him with her piercing blue eyes, looking annoyed, as if Techno had failed some sort of test he did not know he was taking. Well, I feel like that sometimes, she declared imperiously. How could you not? You're so small, of course your spirit would want to break out of there. You're suffocating it. I feel like a frog sometimes, too, she continued, in that nonsensical way that young children often bounced from the heaviest subjects to the lightest, without warning or prolonged thought. Techno missed having that kind of power, the power to simply not give a damn. Mom and I went to the village yesterday, and it rained, so we had to stop under a tree so we wouldn't get wet, and I found three frogs running by in the rain. Three frogs, Techno? Have you ever seen three frogs all at once? Never, Techno lied easily. That's the rarest occurrence in the world, I think as rare as a quadruple rainbow. I think the gods might be sending you a sign. And the frogs, she barreled on, seeming to give no heed to Techno's reply. They were just jumping from one puddle to another. Splish-splash, splish-splash. 
but I don't think they liked any of the puddles because they didn't stay in one for too long. Splish splash, onto the next adventure. Adventure, huh? Techno mused. Is that what your spirit wants then? To break out for a great big adventure? I don't know what my spirit wants to do when it gets out. When, Techno noted. Not if. What she wanted, she would get, and Techno was almost always the instrument for it. But right now, she added, getting to her feet, I think I'd rather not get scolded by Papa, so let's go home. And she smiled, the smile that ran in Techno's family and seemed to find him the only exception. It was a smile, Techno thought, that wars would be fought for. It was a smile that could burn this whole damn forest down. The gods took all the good things they had ever created and stitched it into the corners of that smile. Techno couldn't help but smile back, rougher on the edges and made of meaner stuff. He got to his feet and held out a hand to his sister. She placed her tiny palm in his. It was the most precious thing Techno would ever hold. Let's go home, he echoed. Filza rolled the apple between his palms, feeling its weight in his hands for a moment before he tossed it into the basket by his feet. Already, it was piled high with the ruby-red fruit, spilling over into the grass below. He stepped back and inhaled deeply, the scent of apple blossoms and spring and life crawling into his lungs and settling there like an animal in hibernation. He could taste the sweetness on his tongue. He could feel the breeze against his skin. The apple orchard was ready for harvest, and everything was all right with the world. Dad? Filza turned to watch his son weaving through the trees. He couldn't help the laugh that exploded out of him at the sight of his youngest son's arms piled high with apples, toppling to the ground with every excited step he took. By the time he reached Phil, he only had a handful left with him, the rest leaving a trail of red through the orchard. But he was grinning as if he had accomplished something great. Best delivery boy in the whole kingdom, Tommy said proudly. I'm still waiting for that promotion to head apple picker. Philza ruffled his hair affectionately. He's gotten so tall, Phil thought as the golden strand slipped between his fingers like running water. You have to beat out the other competition to get that title, Tommy. Can't have the people think I'm giving you special treatment. It's only right to give special treatment to your special boy, Tommy declared, rolling the apples into the grass by his feet. That is nepotism. No, it's being a good father. Phil's smile faltered, almost infinitesimally, but Tommy caught it anyhow. Hey, he said with a voice gentler than Philza deserved. Is something wrong? No, Philza said, feeling fissures form in his chest where his heart used to beat. He took a deep breath, letting the taste of pollen linger on his tongue before he swallowed the bitterness down. Nothing's wrong, and that's the problem, isn't it? Tommy stared back at him with soft blue eyes. Someone once told Philza that children were merely reflections of their parents, but he knew that couldn't be true, because every time he looked in a mirror, he only saw the worst of himself. All the places he'd abandoned, all the people he'd killed, all the sons he'd left orphaned. But when he looked at Tommy, all he ever saw was proof that the universe still had the capacity for goodness. Tommy really did get a lot taller. In time, he would grow to be even taller than Filza was. If only he hadn't died before he could. There were many things, Filza knew, that Tommy could never do now. To even have him standing before Filza under the shifting shadows of their kingdom's apple trees was an impossibility. Tommy's brows drew together in confusion as the silence between them stretched on. Filza knew he was only prolonging the inevitable. Just let me stay in this lie, he begged, for one second more. A minute passed, then two. Tommy shifted on his feet. Dad? he whispered. Filza sighed, and in a quiet, broken voice, he said, This isn't real, is it? Tommy stared at him blankly, and then he began to smile.
Follow the breadcrumbs, his little sister said. That's what Papa always says. The path was well worn and cut through the thickest part of the forest. The trees were so close together that the sunlight could no longer pierce through, leaving the two of them walking through the dim, with no guide but their hands in each other's and the memory of their father's murmured words. Follow the breadcrumbs. The little things would be the ones that kept him on the right track. A crooked tree, a low-hanging branch with all its leaves plucked off by passing hands, a pile of rocks by the side of the road that a younger techno had spent three bored minutes stacking together, now moss-covered and leaning dangerously to the side, but still standing. Following breadcrumbs through a cold, dark forest with his little sister's hand curled around his fingers, this was a route they knew by heart, and a story they'd lived hundreds of times before. Follow the breadcrumbs, his sister repeated, tightening her grip on Techno, and you'll never get lost. And then, slowly, she began pulling him to the side, heading straight toward the brambles. Techno pulled her back onto the road, small feet skidding reluctantly across the dirt. Papa also says not to stray from the path, he reminded her sternly, eyeing the dark trees standing like silent sentinels on either side of them. The path was safe. The path would take them home. Anything else was a dangerous gamble. Though he knew this forest well, it did not know him at all, and gods knew what monsters lurked behind the bushes, waiting for wandering strangers. Keep away from the dark. Or the spider will get you, she finished. Her voice was dead and dull. Techno's heart skipped a beat. He was used to her jumping from one emotion to another, but this was something different. Something that was not her at all. Are you alright? He asked worriedly. Yes, she whispered back, as if there was an invisible threat she was careful not to startle. Just tired. Do you want me to carry you on my back? No. She took a deep breath. We always have to be walking side by side. This is how it happened. Confusion and panic roaring inside of him, Techno said. How what happened? She suddenly paused, pulling Techno to a stop with her. She had her eyes fixed straight, looking off toward a horizon Techno couldn't see. There was only the dark, and the weight of her small hand slowly growing colder in his. Techno? She said slowly, quietly, too unlike the brilliant girl that spoke of souls and adventures, and frogs in the rain just a few hours, days, years, eons ago. Techno, she repeated firmly, turning toward him with wide, fearful eyes. Techno? What's my name? Techno opened his mouth to answer, but silence was his only reply. You've stopped again. Wilbur slowly lowered his bow, looking around the tower with a growing sense of unease. He did not remember learning the song he'd been playing for his mother. Did he write it himself? Was it a ballad from some long-dead composer? Still thinking about the unfamiliar tune, Wilbur walked silently toward a table in the corner, where the silk-lined case for his violin stood open and waiting. He placed the instrument gently inside and snapped the case shut. For a moment, his fingers lingered on the golden clasps. I don't even play the violin. He turned towards his mother, who continued painting as if nothing had happened, lost in her colors. Mother? Wilbur called. Mama? She paused, then gestured him over. Come look at this, Will. Wilbur made his way over to her, stopping just behind her and placing his hands on her shoulders as he leaned in to look at her work. There was a painting hanging in the hallway downstairs that Wilbur had walked under at least a dozen times a day. It was the official family portrait done by their court painter when Tommy was just a toddler and slept soundly through everything. Wilbur had always hated it. They'd all looked so serious and stiff, and Wilbur could only remember the horrible pins and needles he'd acquired from sitting on the floor for hours on end. And his mother, in response, had made it beautiful. She'd used brighter colors, softer colors, turning the dark, somber shades into something that felt more alive. 
Everything was the same, and yet, everything was different. Still seated on the simple throne was Mother herself, but with more grey in her pinned-up hair. Behind her, a hand on her shoulder, was Father. He stood with his blue eyes lit up with pride, the only signs of his age and the laugh lines forming at his temples as he smiled back at Wilbur from the canvas. And then, drawing all attention inevitably to him, there was Tommy, leaning against the arm of Mother's chair. He was older too, with longer hair curling over his ears and shoulders, but the traces of childhood remained in the wolfish grin and the cocky quirk of his eyebrow. Before Wilbur could think better of himself, he reached out to run his fingers along the painted lines of his brother's face. Fortunately, the paint had already dried, and Wilbur was free to trace the gentle curls of Tommy's hair. And then, slowly, Wilbur's hand drifted toward the floor, where he had been sitting in the original painting. He wondered how Mother made him beautiful, if that was at all possible in the first place. He wondered how the years had made their mark on him. But instead of paint, there were only pencil marks where Wilbur was supposed to be, vaguely in the shape of a person. A sketch. He looked down at his mother, and she turned in her seat to look at him with a sad smile. You're not done yet, she whispered, raising her hand to cup his cheek, and gently wipe away the single tear that had escaped without his notice. I ruined it, he sobbed. I'm sorry. No, darling, that's not what I meant at all. She got up from her seat and wrapped her arms around Wilbur. Wilbur had to duck his head to bury his face into her shoulder, trembling with a grief he could not name. His mother held him like he was a child again, seeking comfort from nightmares. You have ruined nothing. You're the greatest gift in my life, Wilbur but I do not want you here." He pulled back with tear-stained cheeks, unable to fit enough air into his heavy lungs. Here? he asked. Where is here? The art tower, she replied simply, and everywhere, and nowhere. And then Wilbur remembered. I've been here before, Filza said. We've been here, all of us, everyone caught in his web. Tommy made a non-committal sound as he waved a hand through the air. More or less. He wiggled his fingers absently as he thought. It's like, well, we're all in his play, aren't we? That's what he said. If that's right then, this place is the wings, where everyone waits before the curtains rise, or after their part is done. He looked up at Filza. Or when they're waiting for their turn. We're all dreaming, Filza murmured, repeating the green god's own words. He's put us to sleep while he's writing the next story, and giving us good things to keep us pacified. Like children. He looked down at Tommy, watching his son's expression as it shifted. Filza was sitting against the trunk of an apple tree, with Tommy's head resting across his lap, an apple blossoms falling idly through the hazy air. Under any other circumstances, it would have been a perfect day. As it was, all Phil could see was phantom blood on his hands from the last time he'd held Tommy this close, and a growing sense of trepidation as each second ticked by. Another second where the green god was tearing the real world apart. Another second towards another story of rebirth and tragedy and unknowing. Another second without knowing where Techno and Wilbur were, whether they were safe, whether they were alive, whether they could still remember who they were and who he was and what they still had to do. You aren't really you either, Phil said, less of a question and more of a lament that he was right. Hesitantly, he ran his fingers over Tommy's hair and felt his heart snap when Tommy did not pull away. You're someone I want you to be. I'm someone you need me to be, Tommy corrected. Does that make any of this less real? Does that mean I'm not really here, trying to make you wake up and go save my dumb brothers? Does that mean I'm really gone, not even a ghost or a memory? He shrugged. Who knows? You're supposed to be the adult here. You tell me. Adults don't have all the answers, Tommy, Phil said. No matter how much I wish we did. Answer me this, then, said Tommy, 
Reaching out to run a hand over the obsidian feathers of the wings Filza had been using to block the sunlight from his eyes. How the hell did you hide these? Hard to imagine I didn't notice you walking around with two massive fucking wings jutting out from your back. I'm a god, Tommy, Phil said slowly. I can hide anything. Tommy's blue eyes slid to Phil's. Not everything. Without waiting for a reply, Tommy sat up and put both of his hands on Phil's shoulders, his expression deadly serious. I never knew this side of him, Phil thought and I never will. Listen, Tommy said, as if Filza was not already hanging on to his every word, memorizing every syllable and intonation. I know you've already figured it out. You know why Dream is so afraid of you. And it's the same reason why you're the only person that can break out of here. If I can, Filza said. Why have I never done so before? We've been in this cycle for eons. You've come close, Tommy replied. So close, a few times. But either Dream always finished rewriting before you could, or... Tommy paused for just one second before continuing more resolutely. Or you didn't want to leave. Phil opened his mouth to say he would never do that. He would never jeopardize an entire universe just to revel in some lie, no matter how beautiful it was. But then he realized he already had. Swallowing the bitter taste on his tongue, Phil asked, I want to stay, Tommy. Tommy blinked, his expression crumbling with anger and disappointment. And then, clarity, as the first of Phil's tears began to drop. A warm and silent rainfall. He could never hide anything from Tommy. But you won't, Tommy finished, something like pride flickering in his eyes. But I won't, Filza confirmed, wrapping his hands around Tommy's wrists and holding on for dear life. I have to end it, Tommy. I can't put everyone through this again. I can't put Wilbur and Techno through this again. Tommy grinned, triumphant. That's my dad. My Tommy. And with that, Phil gently pulled Tommy's hands away from his shoulders and stood, brushing apple blossoms from his clothes. They fell to the grass, limp and already rotting despite their loveliness. Tommy got up, and for a moment, they stood there together, just son and father, looking out over their orchard and remembering slow days when once they were four, with Tommy on Wilbur's shoulders and their mother painting, and Philza tossing flowers into the air just to hear his family laughing. They call you the Angel of Death. Tommy began, and Filza knew the end was near. But that's not all you are. What are you, the god of, Filza? The words were Tommy's, but the voice was not. It was the whisper of a thousand different Tommy's from a thousand different universes. It was the shouts of those who had been Filza's sons, and those who never were. It was the battle cry of soldiers and thieves, the exiled and the dead, the lost and returning. It was the demand of all the boys Filza had failed. Are your wings not a reminder of what you are? You are passerin and bird of prey, both. Filza turned to look at Tommy, but he was not looking at Tommy. Or more accurately, he was looking at all of Tommy. Brief images of all the Tommies that had come before. Here, a tall man with a golden crown of laurels. Here, a young boy with a broken compass strung around his neck. Here, a feathered creature with wide blue eyes. Here, a weathered warrior with alliums tucked into the pockets of his ruined coat. God, God of death, they call you, every Tommy said at once. And, and they, they are closer, closer to the truth than they think. After all, is death not just a final act of liberation? Tell me you look out every open window and wish only to fly away. Tell me what the spider and his infinite authority fears above all. Tell me what you are. I'm the god of freedom, Filza said, and I'm flying the fuck out of here. Damn right you are, Tommy grinned, still flickering, still all of him. So go. Filza spread his wings, aiming for the sky. He was the god of freedom, and he was flying the fuck out of here. But also, more than that, he was a father. So despite the world waiting for him beyond the sapphire sky, 
He turned to look at his son one last time, his golden boy with the golden smile, and he hugged him. It was a simple thing, a quiet thing, the parents have been doing for their children since the very concept of parenthood was created. But still, to Phil, it felt like a revelation. And every version of Tommy hugged him back. I wish we could have more time, Philza whispered, his tears coming on more quickly, so warm they might burn right to the bone. I wish I could have watched you grow up. I wish I had loved you like you deserved. I wish I could have made it all up to you. I wish a universe's worth of wishes for you, my boy. I know. And this was just Tommy's voice. Tommy singular. Philza's Tommy. I better not see you, Will, or Techno again for a long, long time, he added, which Phil's a new mint. I will love you. Without requisite or deadline, I will love you. Philza replied, we aren't in any hurry, which meant we love you too. When Philza let go, Tommy was gone. He was alone, and the sky was waiting far above him. Mother tilted her head toward a distant sound that Wilbur couldn't hear. We don't have much time, she said firmly, her hands fluttering like paint-stained moths set aflame. He's almost done, and then we'll have to do this all over again. But Wilbur was still reeling, his mind going through a thousand thoughts per second and managing to understand none of them. I was... we were fighting. Always fighting, you lot, Mother said with a small smile, but her eyes were sad. Deep breaths now, Will. Tell me what you know. I was in a city in the north, Wilbur said, his mouth tasting of ash and melting snow. Outside a... a church broken windows. Yes, you were. And I don't play the violin. No, you don't. Wilbur glanced at his mother's painting, the one with soft colors and old lines. And Tommy will never live past fifteen. No, mother replied. Regret and sorrow, two of Wilbur's own restless shadows gleaming in her eyes. He won't. And you're dead too, Wilbur continued, free falling into the abyss. Aren't you? Yes, I am. He ran his shaking hands through his hair, clutching a handful of the brown strands and almost tearing them away in his terror. It was a fear he knew well. It had never truly left him since the night he had found her gone. He'd been too sick to attend her funeral afterwards, spending feverish days in and out of consciousness. When he'd finally been steady enough to pull himself out of bed, they'd already buried her, and he only saw her again in painted portraits that didn't quite capture the brightness of her smile, and in the middle of the night when every hallway of the castle was haunted by her. And now here she was, standing before him, older than she had been when he lost her, and still younger than she deserved to be. She deserved decades. She deserved infinity. And Tommy did too. I want to stay here with you, Wilbur said, still a child, always a lost child with her. Because I miss you. Because you were the one person that I had nothing to prove to. Because you can make things all right. You can fix the things I broke, can't you? She looked at him. He knew her answer. You could stay, she said kindly. I won't fault you for it. He knew she meant it, so why did the pain in his chest only get worse? A soft breeze swirled into the tower. Wilbur inhaled the scent of fresh apples. It was so real. So real. But then he looked at the painting again, staring at the incomplete version of him. At his father, who had aged when he could not. At Tommy, older than he would ever be in truth. At his mother, who had given him her artist's hands. Will you forgive me? Wilbur asked, his voice rough and small. If I still want to live without you? In reply, she pulled him down gently and placed a soft kiss on his forehead. I loved you before I even met you, she whispered against his skin. 
and I loved you even more after I did. I'm sorry for leaving too soon and leaving too much. She pulled back, her eyes shimmering and hands warm on both of Wilbur's cheeks. But look at you. Look how much you've grown. Look how far you still have to go. Come with me, he asked, pressing his hand closer against her paint-streaked palm. You can lie. Lie and say you'll be coming with me. I'm always with you, Will, she said, smiling a wavering smile. I am in every note you play and every song you sing. I fight your every battle and feel your every pain. And I feel your joy, your compassion, your regret, and your bravery. Whatever you do, Will, I am with you. And he swallowed roughly. And Tommy? You and your brother, she said, are bound by something stronger than fate and stronger than death. She dropped her hands and stepped back. The distance between them was a chasm. One is gone, but not forever. One is gone, but not the other. Wilbur took a rattling breath and squared his shoulders. He wasn't ready, but he had no other choice. He gave his mother one last lingering look. All the things he still wanted to say, he said with it. All the I love yous addressed to hallway ghosts, and all the I wish you were here screamed into the silence of his own head. He would never see her again. He would never see Tommy again. Those were the truths he would have to learn to live with. All that grief and love and hope and fear in one word, Wilbur said. Goodbye. He shut his eyes as he turned away, unwilling to look at what he would be leaving behind. His perfect mother and her perfect painting of what could have been. She might have said goodbye back, but the wind was whistling past Wilbur's ears as he took off running, drowning out everything else. When he opened his eyes again, the arched window was waiting before him, open into an endless sky. He leapt, and his father caught him. Wilbur grinned up at the winged figure above him as they soared past the eddying clouds. Always have to make a last-minute entrance, don't you? Father looked down at him as he tightened his hold on Wilbur's hand, obsidian wings cutting through the air in persistent booming beats. Are you alright? was the first thing he said. He sounded like he was choking on his own heartache. For once, Wilbur found he was just like his father. Wilbur closed his eyes against the rushing wind, letting it dry his lingering tears. No, he admitted, but I will be. Wilbur looked around at the open sky, seeing nothing but blue and white until the distant horizon. So, father, how are we getting out of here? Even in their separate sadness, Wilbur still noticed the small smile on his father's face. Do you trust me, Will? I just jumped out of a tower for you. Father's laughter was a strained sound, but it was almost like music. What if I asked you to let go of my hand? Wilbur didn't think. He just let go. For a moment, he was weightless, suspended midair, as clean and pure as the clouds that were the sole witness of his slow descent. There was no life, and no death, and no Wilbur, and no enemy waiting for him on the other side. No dead brothers, no lost brothers, no mothers in towers, no fathers newly regained. There was only the falling. Will! Father called out over the rushing wind. Open your eyes! Wilbur had not even realized he'd closed them. When he opened them again, all he could see was the welcoming blue, and his father falling right behind him, wings tucked in close. I saw mother, Wilbur said to the open air, his hands in his pockets as if it were a normal afternoon conversation. I saw Tommy, father replied. He said to tell you not to die yet. Wilbur smiled faintly. Sounds like him. He balled his hands into fists where his father couldn't see them shaking. But was it really him? Really them? I don't know, father sighed as they hurled into nothingness. But does it really matter, Will? I suppose not, Wilbur said. We had them back for a moment, 
That's all it was in the end. He spun in the air to face his father. In the short time since they'd faced off with Dream, his father's eyes had aged a million years. More somberly, Wilbur said, we have to get Techno back too. Where is he? Tucked away somewhere else, like I was. Like you were. How did you get to me then? Filza grinned. Like this. He unsheathed the sword at his hip and tore a hole right across the sky below them. What the fuck? Wilbur shouted as the tear in the very fabric of the universe spread before him. It was a pitch black scar running across the blue, a jagged line of nothingness. Wilbur reached out to clutch his father's arm, his heart rioting inside his chest as it rejected what his eyes were definitely seeing. What the hell is that? Our way out, Filza said, moving closer to Wilbur, his wings folding over the both of them like a comforting childhood blanket. Falling is the easy part, Will. Now, it's time for the crash. They fell into the dark, and were gone.